0: Hey, this is Jen Johans at Filmintuition.com and Film Intuition on social media and Letterboxd. And this is Watch with Jen. Today I am so happy to welcome a fellow podcaster to Watch with Jen. Conrado Falco is filmmaker, film lover, foodie, soccer fan, and co-host of the excellent pod, The Criterion Project, along with my good friend, Rachel Wagner. It's been such a joy joining them on two occasions to discuss the talk of the town and the Age of Innocence and getting to know Conrado through there as well. Additionally, he is the co-host of the podcast, foreign invader and co-creator and co-star of the science fiction comedy series wormholes which you can find on youtube by searching for wormholes the series conrado thank you so much for being here i'm greatly looking forward to our discussion today and i know it'll be a blast but first how are you doing and how's june treating you so far (laughs)
1: <laughs> June is treating me uh, pretty well. Um, like, Thank you uh, for listing all of my credits there. Um, and yes, Wormholes uh, is the thing that has been keeping me busy for the last couple of months. Um, yeah. But the whole second season of Wormholes, which is probably going to be the last, but you never know, um, is now available on YouTube. So we've been you know, editing and trying to get that stuff out there. So June is treating me well in the sense that now I can get to um step back and you know go on podcast talking about wormholes instead of editing all day which is good <laughs>
0: yes what can you tell us about the series
1: um yeah so it is a sci-fi comedy series that I started with my wife Sajda and a roommate Gamal uh in 2020 during the lockdown um oh, right. and it's basically a that's yeah that's when we did the first season and then this year we did a second season um And it is a sci-fi comedy um, and the style of something like, you know, kind of like Futurama, but very low budget, obviously. it's just us basically the first season, especially was done just the three of us um, in our apartments. And then we had a couple of friends zoom in for special characters, Um, but it's basically a story about two roommates played by by Gamal and Sajda who live in an apartment that has a wormhole in the closet. So a lot of like science fiction um, shenanigans go on. And I play their super gazpacho who is kind of like the, you know, kind of like the bumbling super um, Mm -hmm. who kind of gets in their way and then helps them out. So. Um, yeah, if that sounds like something that you, uh, that people listening would be interested in, it's a, I think it's a funny show. I think it's, it has a lot of heart and we had a great time making it. And we are very much looking forward for people to watch it, um, enjoy it and reach out to us and, and connecting with uh, more people that way. So um, everyone can go and watch the whole two seasons come um, the whole, yeah, the whole, whole series, series basically. Yeah. It's on YouTube now. If you search wormholes, the series.
0: That is perfect. Is it audio or video or both?
1: It is both. It's a TV show. Um, Oh, wow. That's so cool. uh, 21 episodes of television that we produced over the last couple of years. Um, Yeah. And yeah, yeah, like I said, Wacky Adventures, you know, there's an episode where uh, the wormhole makes everyone sing like they're in a musical. There's an episode where I play (laughs) like like, an evil version of myself who's like me, but speaking in French or or like gibberish French really and things like that you know so like very silly humor very much like done uh you know with a small budget but with like a knowing wink about our you know uh lack of money but uh excessive amounts of creativity yes
0: That is very cool. Congratulations. That sounds wonderful. And we all need a distraction now and then. So I love that idea. And I have to say, you are a man of really good ideas. You had several (laughs) cool ones for today's episode, but by far, I think the most interesting and refreshing one that you pitched me, especially, and it will give listeners and myself a mini break from some of the heavier crime movie focused episodes we often do, was your suggestion Hmm. of an actor, writer. And I think a vastly underrated screen presence for the past 25 years, Owen mm-hmm. Wilson. We'll go yeah. deeper into the movies that you have chose, which include Zoolander, The Darjeeling Limited, and How Do You Know, one by one in just a moment. And I'm sure we're going to reference a lot of others. But before we do that, I would love to know your thoughts on Owen Wilson overall, including his appeal, persona, and what you think he's able to bring to so many diverse movies over the years.
1: Yeah, um, I think you are absolutely right when you call him a very underrated actor. I think the idea for this episode, at least for me, and I'm very, I also want to know why of all the things that I picked, um, you latched onto Owen Wilson. I'm curious to know more about your relationship to him, but mm-hmm. for me... Uh, the time when we were, you know, messaging back and forth about doing this episode, I it wasn't that long ago that I had seen that new movie with J-Lo and Owen Wilson, Marry Me, um, yeah. the rom-com that came out earlier this year. And I was watching that and I kind of like was really enjoying Owen Wilson in it. And I was thinking, yes. like, Owen Wilson is such a good actor. Like, you know, I love Owen Wilson. Um, And then I was very dismayed to see a lot of people... um. Reviewing that movie or talking about the movie, saying, Well, Jayla was incredible, but Owen Wilson, what a wet blanket. And I was like, I couldn't disagree more. I mean, I, obviously, I love Jayla and she's incredible, but I thought Owen Wilson was so good. And I think he's been good in a lot of movies throughout his life. But I agree with you that he has kind of uh, not been recognized for it. I think because he's one of those actors who is, um, you know, to a degree, he's always himself. It's kind of like yeah. that movie star thing of like, You know, we kind of really uh treasure, I think, um, being able to be like kind of like a chameleon or transform Mm -hmm. yourself, you know, when with our performance or performers rather. And he is always Owen Wilson, you know, like he always has that face that is so unmistakable, and he always has that voice that is so unmistakable. So like he has that thing about Owen Wilsonness to him. Yeah. But I think that within that, he is so good at bringing different vibes and different, you know, levels of uh, dramatism and pathos to his performances. And we'll get more into it. But I'm also really curious, what did what do you think about Owen Wilson?
0: I love him. I think one of the reasons he's probably underrated is exactly what you said. He is very much himself on camera. He knows like uh, he's made jokes over the years about Acting being a little bit like high school, like TV actors are the freshmen, and then uh, comedians or whatever are sophomores. And then, like, the dramatic actors are the cool seniors that everybody wants to be. And Mm. he said he knows that's not him. That's not his thing, his skill set. He's not going to be somebody to put on a voice or play. He said like a a wheelchair bound or somebody with MS or someone who's going through like a traumatic divorce. Like that isn't really his skill set. He is going to be himself. But I think within it, he's so endearing. He's so charming. But I also think he might be undervaluing himself a little Mm -hmm. bit too, because he does bring the pathos. There is pain there that I think obviously, you know, comes from his own life or people he's known as well. Mm-hmm. And you see it throughout the performances, even in ones that are funny, there's, there's a little bit of an edge. Like uh, Bottle Rocket was, of course, his breakout movie. He co mm-hmm. wrote it with his old uh, classmate there at, at University of Texas, Austin. Wes Anderson and my favorite Wes Anderson movies are the ones written by Owen. I've liked others, but they've never topped uh, hit the ones that Owen wrote. I think there's more universality. There's more heart. But even playing Dignan, who is kind of this dreamer, clueless, I want to be a criminal guy, just sort of, he has this like 25-year plan, which cracks Mm -hmm. me up. But there's a little bit of pain there. Like his, actually it is his brother in real life, um, is somebody who insults him um, as his character's friend's brother on screen and uh, makes fun of this like jumpsuit he's wearing. And then uh, I think it's Luke Wilson after makes a joke to him, like, well, did you see what he's wearing? And he said, yeah, it's really cool. And you just get the (laughs) openness of these lines he sometimes improvises or throws in or a little sadness between the laughs. And I think he just brings an interesting quality to all of these films.
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think, uh, yeah. I think Bottle Rocket is a great introduction for him. And I think we'll talk more, obviously, about his uh, relationship with Wes Anderson because we'll talk about one of their movies later on. But um, I do think that he is a a kind of a perfect Wes Anderson actor. And obviously, they were collaborators from the beginning, you know, writing together. But he really is great because the thing I love, one of the things I love about Wes Anderson is that he's really good at... um, to have his movies embody a sort of like sadness and melancholy without that being at the forefront right it's kind of like all yeah underneath and well i think owen wilson is so good at that he in so many movies i think he's very casual he's very understated he's very natural but underneath you get this layer of so much more is going on in this guy's life behind um and i think the best owen wilson performances take advantage of that
0: Yeah, there's a lot of depth there. I mean, you can't fault the guy. He has a family and, you know, take those jobs as they come. Some of his choices have been not the greatest. Mm -hmm, But, mm -hmm. you know, you got to do that. You got to work. You pay the bills. But when he's able to tap into that and some of the films that we're talking about, it's it's magical. So I'm really excited for this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But kicking things off, we have a film featuring Owen Wilson alongside one of his great early comedic co-stars, Ben Stiller, with whom he appeared in such films as Meet the Parents and the Royal Tenenbaums in 2001's Zoolander, which was directed and co-written by Stiller. Owen plays the up-and-coming supermodel Hansel McDonald, whose new popularity in the industry unseats the current longtime supermodel favorite Derek Zoolander, played by Stiller. A very broad satiric comedy that also manages to work in a brainwashed assassin plot. It's Mm -hmm. a wild, weird, yet very funny movie that I hadn't seen in quite some time, so I want to thank you for recommending it to me for this revisit. So let's get into it. Talk to me about Zoolander. So Zoolander,
1: I wanted to uh, pick, you know, when you told me like we'll do like two or three movies, I wanted to pick like a variety of different kinds of Owen Wilson movies. And I think uh, Zoolander is a good one because, um, you know, we talked about Bottle Rocket. I feel like right after Bottle Rocket, he was kind of maybe they wanted to make him into a bit of an action star or like a conventional leading man. He's in Armageddon. He's in Anaconda. Um, and then at some point he starts to, he becomes, he comes back to comedy kind of, and he, and he becomes really associated, I think, with comedic pairings. You know, you were talking with Ben Stiller, Owen Wilson. He also works with Jackie Chan in the Shanghai yes. Shanghai Noon and Shanghai Nights. And then he has, um, he's always in like duo movies. He does Starkey, uh, Starsky and Hutch with um, Ben Stiller also. He does yep. I Spy with Eddie Murphy. So I think that, um, becomes kind of like a Owen Wilson thing of like, he's just like the other guy, kind of almost like the, the you know, so a lot of the yeah. times he's playing the straight man to a more comedic character. I think even in Zoolander, even though they, you know, they're kind of like enemies at the beginning, the two characters that they play, they end up kind of collaborating towards the end. And um, Hansel, I think it's the more, um, you know, they're both preposterous characters because it's a very broad comedy, but I think within it, Hansel is the much more uh, understated performance, you know, like, sure. watching it again this t- this time, I was really taken in how different the performances from Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson are in the movie. You know, Ben Stiller is like mugging all the time to the camera completely uh, over the top, um, mm-hmm. you know, with his Zoolander and all his blue steel faces and whatnot and very silly character. And Owen Wilson brings a little more realistic take to it that I don't think is necessarily in the script. You know, this character is kind of out there as well and this kind of like hippie new guy in town who couldn't care yes. less about what's going on. And and Owen Wilson does that really well. But I think in his naturalism, he ends up being the the funnier performance, in my opinion, and the one that I really latch onto when watching the movie. Um, Yeah, I think he's... um. He's very natural and he stands out. I don't know if you agree with that.
0: I agree with you. He is kind of playing it like an an everyman or, you know, as sort of the straight man or the less funny sidekick. Um, He even kind of does that. He plays himself, essentially, in a lot of those Mm -hmm. films that you were saying, or I should say. Versions of himself or caricatures of himself. If he was a certain way, like even in Meet the Parents, you know, mm-hmm. um, he's like doing this woodworking and it just kind of hippie-ish or carefree or go with the flow. This ability that he has, and in um, Zoolander, it is very very funny because uh, Derek takes everything so seriously, and mm-hmm. it's an, it's a good contrast when you have this guy who's just you know too cool for school essentially. I think Mm -hmm. it's a really funny movie. It was interesting. I read something Ben Stiller said about, well, first of all, Ben Stiller was a huge fan of Bottle Rocket. And I learned later he had the same experience I did having it, which is I laughed so hard when I saw that when it was new. I was like, somebody out there actually has my sense of humor. Mm. And then later I read that Ben Stiller, when he saw it, he was an early proponent of the film and he thought the same thing. Like, these people Mm. are on my wavelength. And so I think he and Owen are just kind of a natural fit. They flow really well together. Um, I think everybody in this movie is funny. I love like some of the cameos, even Billy Zane. That's such a Mm -hmm. good one. Comes out of nowhere. You have Alexander Skarsgård, who is great. Oh,
1: he's very funny. That's a very funny sequence. Yeah.
0: Oh my God. The freak gasoline fire fight. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, and the movie, it's really fun to go back to one of those movies that I feel like is a little broad in a way that maybe kind of went out of style just as Owen Wilson's career was starting. I feel like a couple years after this, that kind of like very big, very silly movie where you can have that kind of like, you know, gasoline fight kind of started. Well, maybe it didn't go out of style completely. You know, you still had things like Anchorman and things like that. But Owen Wilson was definitely a little bit more pushed towards the kind of meet the Falkers and wedding crashers sort of thing of like bro-y yep. kind of comedies, which I think is kind of uh one of the, the, you know, kind of like dry spells of his career, um, that, that he has a couple. And I think right after this, um, I know that Wedding Crush is one of the movies that I maybe suggested and you uh, avoided it, I think, smartly, because I hadn't seen that in a long time either. And I tried to watch some of it because I was so curious because I didn't see it since it came out, how it holds up. And I thought Mm -hmm. probably pretty badly, and it is pretty badly. Like, it's one of those movies that has aged like, you know a carton of milk like you watch it
0: now <laughs> like, oh. uh, yeah I just thought it was maybe a little too similar to the ones we were doing but wow. I haven't seen it in so long either that's a really good point he did kind of make you know in the 80s we had the brat pack
1: mm-hmm. and
0: for Owen they always call it the frat pack the movies he made with like Vince Vaughn and Ben Stiller And Mm -hmm. all of these different actors, Will Ferrell, um, these different films that he made, they maybe weren't the greatest movies. Um, Some of them are, I think, funnier than you would expect going in. I know Zoolander came out at a really uh, strange time, of course, in America. I believe it was released around September 28th, 2001. Mm -hmm. So right after 9-11. And Stiller went in, actually, and digitally erased the Twin Towers from the background. And he took a lot of flack for that. But he said he really just thought it was the right thing to do at the time because he wanted people to watch the movie and laugh. And it didn't go over pretty well, though, as a film uh, with audiences, at least this one and Legally Blonde. They kind of kept in theaters for a while just to give people something to laugh at. And um I know when Roger Ebert reviewed Zoolander he gave it one star he was super hard on it but stiller said in later years when he revisited it Ebert actually apologized to him and said you know I was pretty hard on that movie and it's actually really really funny. So mm-hmm. I think that was maybe my reaction too. I didn't like this movie very much the first time we saw it but then I've seen it a couple times over the years and it just gets funnier. Exactly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that tends to happen with comedy that I feel like a lot of the times the ones that don't get the best reaction at the time get a better reaction with age and the ones that were huge hits like, for example, Wedding Crashers kind of like vanish and and age really poorly, you know. Um, I don't know. There's something about comedy that's very of the moment, I guess, in some ways.
0: It really is. Yeah. Sometimes they're tapping into the zeitgeist or whatever is going on at the time and then They get a little dated, like some of those 80s movies, for example. Mm
1: -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, but then with age, everything kind of, when you're, you know, now you're watching a movie from many years ago, you're not so, uh, it's not so important for you for it to tap into the the here and now, you know, so you can enjoy just the silliness Mm -hmm. of like a Zoolander.
0: Exactly. Yeah, it's interesting to see which ones work and which ones don't or sink or swim, essentially. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes. Is there anything else you wanted to add about Zoolander?
1: Um, I don't know. I I guess it does feel to me very emblematic of that moment for Owen Wilson, and I think that's one of the things that made him underrated as an actor. That kind of like being paired with uh, characters or like actors who, even in Shanghai Noon, where you know Jackie Chan yes. is technically very serious, right? He's like the you know Chinese warrior who's here to on a mission, and you know he doesn't like tell jokes but like he is the fish out of water so then owen wilson becomes more of the straight man and and even though he's the more loosey-goosey one he's not the funny one in the movie necessarily and the same thing happens uh kind of here in zoolander although i think this is one of the better ones and in wedding crashers vince vaughn is the wacky one and yep. owen Wilson's the one who's falling in love uh and that to me also transitioned into the moment of like owen wilson more as a romantic uh mm-hmm. leading man um He's had, uh, I mean, he's also a very unusual actor, so he's had, I think, a hard time um, being a a big movie star, and I think Hollywood has had a hard time using him well, Um, and then maybe that can transition us into our next movie since Wes Anderson is so good at using Owen Wilson well.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. He partners so well with people on screen because he is so easygoing. I think he brings out the best in them, maybe makes his co-stars more comfortable. You can kind Mm -hmm. of even see them loosen up. He's told stories about working with Reese Witherspoon, which we're going to get into on how do you know, and some of the reactions of making Reese laugh and, you know, Mm -hmm. people getting annoyed with some of his improv. But I think he just He's somebody who's really good in the moment. And yeah, Hollywood just didn't know exactly how to employ him or uh, figure out who he should be when he's kind of telling you who he is and who he's comfortable with. Yes. Yeah. But he considers himself more of a writer than an actor. And I always love that about him, too. He said that there wasn't a film that he's seen that he wished he could be in. But there are mm-hmm. movies that he said, I wish I would have written. And I think that's him in a yeah. nutshell.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. And I think you're absolutely right. I think even that comment about the writing speaks to what you're saying about he's such a great scene partner, I feel like he really is one of those actors who doesn't feel very uh, self-centered, you know, you really feel like he's connecting with the person he's in the scene with, he's there to make everybody shine and to bounce things off. So that's why he's so good uh at pairings at comedic pairings, and then why he's good at rom-coms which also need that you know like it's always about yes. the bouncing back and forth um and I think that's um yeah and and in the Wes Anderson movie sometimes I even feel like the bouncing back and forth is not only between the acting but also like you're saying between him and Wes Anderson the director I think that's what makes Perfect. him a good um partner for him
0: Yeah, they bring out the best in each other. And next up, we do have the 2007 film that reunited Owen Wilson once again with his good friend, former classmate, co-writer, and the man alongside whom he first made his cinematic mark with Bottle Rocket, the one they wrote together. I'm talking, of course, about the singular filmmaker, Wes Anderson, as we have been doing. Uh, He cast Wilson as the oldest of three dysfunctional brothers, still in mourning about their deceased father, searching India for spiritual enlightenment, meaning and their mother in the film, The Darjeeling Limited. Written by Anderson, along with Roman Coppola and Jason Schwartzman, who also stars the film also boasts Adrian Brody, Angelica Houston, Bill Murray, and more. So what are your thoughts, Conrado, on this one?
1: So the geeling Limited, um, I, at first I think I should say I am a big, big Wes Anderson fan. I'm one of those people who likes all of his movies, basically, gotcha. and I know that he's more of a, you know, sometimes he's a controversial figure, people who don't like him at all, or people who think that he has better uh, stretches than others. And I do think that this movie is interesting to me because it comes at a stretch that I think is probably the lowest point in Wes Anderson's career since he, you know, became a director. Um, yeah. And uh, and it's interesting because right around this time, the two movies, the one that came before, this is Life Aquatic, and then this, uh, Darjeeling Limited, um, kind of are both the kind of the biggest flops of his career, but also the ones that have a really big role for Owen Wilson, the biggest that he has had since Bottle Rocket and the biggest yeah. that he's had since. You know, it since then, he's only appeared in basically in cameos or very small roles. Mm-hmm. But these two really have him at the center and they're dealing limited, especially has him at the center um, of this. You know, it's, it's the trio of brothers, but I, I do feel like Owen Wilson does come, of as the he's the oldest brother and he does come up with kind of like the main engine of the of mm-hmm. the movie um and i think yeah that's what makes me uh, very interested in this in this movie because in some ways he's a similar character to the one he plays in bottle rocket like you were saying you know he has prepared this whole itinerary he's the leader of the three he has all these ideas and yeah. he is very very classic was Anderson character who's very neurotic he's very prepared for everything yes you know very anal yeah very anal very like all about the minutiae and the details you know like the director himself and very much like this is the plan we got to stick to the plan you know I know better than everyone else like does everyone agree with me so um he's a bit of an irritating character um, and they're all irritating in their own way, right? The whole idea here yeah. is that these three kind of like privileged uh, white guys who are searching and are going through an emotional time, going to this, you know, exotic locale in India and then like kind of having tunnel vision about their own lives despite this like sprawling country open uh, all around them, you know? Um, and um, a- And so... Hmm. I'm starting to lose a little bit of the thread of what I was trying to say, but I think yeah. he's really, really great in that sense. And, and, Oh yeah. And speaking of what we were saying before about the underneath and the pathos and that kind of thing um, that you start to feel that as the movie goes on, you know, um, there's also, you know, around this time, there was that whole uh, story of like the Wilson uh, struggling with like, you know, some sort of depression, I guess, or, or some, some mm-hmm. stuff in his life that he had a suicide attempt, if I remember correctly. Yeah, um, I don't remember if that was said ever explicitly, but I think that was basically was. that. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Cause I remember it being like, maybe it was reported on E or something. And it was kind of like, they were dancing a little bit around the subject, but we all kind of understood what was going on. Mm-hmm. And, it, um, and this comes a little bit after that. And he plays a character who has been in an accident and he's like bandaged up his whole face. And, um, he is hurt on the outside and on the inside, and and I think he really, it felt really emotional for me when I saw it at that time. Like, no, I one... a,
0: yeah, I have a story about that actually. Oh Seeing really? Oh the please. Theater. Yes. Oh please um, go ahead. It's like you don't. You don't want to talk about the man's personal life because that, of course, is his business. But unfortunately, it did bleed Mm -hmm. over into the character he's playing. And also, this is kind of run through Wes Anderson's films. There was a suicide attempt in in Royal Tenenbaums as well Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. some mental illness going on in Bottle Rocket. So this has kind of gone through all of Wes's movies. And uh, when I saw the Darjeeling Limited at an art house theater near me, it was shortly after uh, this had happened to Owen Wilson. And we, mm-hmm. when he first appears on screen, you do see this big bandaged face, and there was an audible gasp that I've never experienced. I've never experienced wow. at a theater uh, on that level before, and I could hear a bunch of people like, "Oh my god! Oh my god!" And Mm -hmm. um, I mean, then we got lost in the movie, but it kind of shows you how much we all love Owen Wilson and we want the best for him Mm -hmm. and uh, just how much he touches people because this was an art house theater. It wasn't like the big multiplex. And, you know, I'm not somebody who really pays attention to uh, contemporary gossip at all. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it is his business, of course, but it was just kind of um, weird timing that this happened. And it really did impact the first viewing I had of the film and uh, that moment when later on in the movie when he sees his mom and he's kind of just said he got into a motorcycle accident through the movie like to his brothers he hasn't admitted it and then when he sees his mom he says yeah I crashed on purpose Mm -hmm. and um, it really hits you and uh, Mm -hmm. shows you you never know what's going on with people and of course again we're not going to spend too much time on that it is his life but yeah, yeah, it was it was a hard one at the time, but it's such a good film. I'm somebody who really responds to stories about complex sibling dynamics and father dynamics, like my favorite movie is The Godfather, of course. But um, with Wes Anderson, he does get accused often of relying on style and having the signature look. But when the substance is there, like with this, I feel, um, you know, it's fair. It's a good marriage of of style, substance. And I think the dynamic really rings true of sometimes you have secrets with with other people in the family, and then you talk about them, and then they tell secrets. And yeah, it's very funny. Yeah.
1: Yeah. and, And this one's interesting in terms of style, because, you know, Wes Anderson loves to have this kind of dollhouse sets and, and control yes. of everything, but you know, he's in location in India and there's so only so much that he can control. And you exactly. can sense that he's gone to the locations he wants to be in, but India is still India, you know, and looks like yep. India. And it's, and it, it is this kind of like clash between this person, like the Owen Wilson character who wants to be in control, who wants to be able to, you know, make everything the way he wants it to be. And this, Kind of like country or you know, or the world that can't be controlled. Just like his relationship with his other siblings and his mother. I do love that when when we finally get to Angelica Houston as as his mom, we can see where he gets all of that controlling thing from, right? And how she yes. treats the three children. He's when she, once she's gone and their dad has died, he kind of wa- steps up into the plate to try to play that role. Um, and he ends up being a much more vulnerable character than than we anticipate. And obviously the, the bandages play kind of like a very symbolic yeah, thing. And like that Yeah. Yeah. When he removes them in the mirror, that's the moment when I first saw it, I didn't see it in the theater. I don't think this played in the theater back in Peru when I was growing oh, gotcha. up, but um, I saw it on DVD. And when that, that's the moment when that came up that I was like, really, you know, thinking of all the stuff that happened with him and really hit me, you know, when he, Mm-hmm. this very scene that you know it's one shot and he takes his time cutting up the bandages to see how he's doing and he takes him off and you can see the scars on his face and it's pretty pretty, it graphic. Very pretty graphic still pretty tender you can sense the, the the you know the accident what it did to him mm-hmm. and he just looks in the mirror and he just says i guess i still have some healing up to do which really touched me at the time and that's kind of like the Wes Anderson, Owen Wilson thing of like, you know, all of a sudden there'd be a line or like something that, that imbued with all this meaning and all this, this, you know, sadness. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's why it was so touching. I mean, obviously it's always uh, hard and sad to hear about anyone who's struggling um, with those, with thoughts and and feelings like this. But I think there was something specific about Owen Wilson because he watched such so much that guy that he just was hanging out and he's so endearing and and he had played characters that had that sadness underneath and to see that that there was something of that in it um mm-hmm. i think it becomes really it's kind of like the robin williams thing as well right when you see someone who's like
0: yeah or a chaplain for... thing where there's yeah, yeah yeah there's some sadness beneath yeah and that it touches you because sometimes when we have these um people on screen who are just screamingly funny and uh, seem to glide through everything. Uh, it's a little different than watching people who do struggle and realizing um, they have more in common with you than you think, or uh, there's more going on. I think his character is so great. I mean, Adrian Brody, of course, kind of has the the primary role, or he's the one we start the the narrative with, but they all have these elements of wanting control and wanting to move forward and backwards. I mean, there's no accident that this is mostly uh, a film that is set on a train because it, we are moving, we are healing. Mm-hmm. It's full of symbolism. And you're exactly right. Like as ornate and decadent as it is, because it is Wes Anderson and he can't leave it alone. This isn't Royal bombs. You don't have like that level of, of minutia going on in this, mm-hmm. I think the Coppolas were a good um, team for him to write with. Uh, he also wrote with Roman again on Moonrise Kingdom. I think mm-hmm. they worked well. He's had various collaborators, you know Noah Bumbach, uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox, and Life Aquatic. I don't love life product nearly as much as some other people do, but I did think it was good. Fantastic. Mr. Fox is a blast, but you can kind of attribute that more to uh, the fantastic Mr. Fox story. But um, yeah, I think this was a weird time for him. Uh, But Darjeeling is a film I liked, I didn't love, but Mm -hmm. I have grown to care more about these brothers and think more about them over the years. And each time I've seen it, it's hit me a little bit harder.
1: Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. It's one that I didn't, even though I was a was Anderson fan. It took me a while to get to that one because it was considered one of his the ones that not a lot of people talked about, and you know, Mm -hmm. it's not as good. But so I was really surprised when I finally saw it, and uh, maybe it shouldn't have been, but I was just as I liked it as much as any of his other movies, and I really connected with the Owen Wilson character. I think this might be his favorite performance.
0: Okay, uh, sure, I can see that actually.
1: Um, yeah. And, and I do love him on Bottle Rocket as well. I think he's really great. And and in all the movies, the three movies that we've picked today, I think he's great in. And I think he's usually good, uh, if not great in in almost everything that he's in. Um, I mm-hmm. do think that this one has something about it that I just feel it's kind of like the perfect uh, combination for him. And, you know. Um,
0: Excellent material and it makes yeah. the most of him.
1: Yeah great collaborators and I do think that yeah this was a tough time for him I mean you look at the movies that were the, when this came out you know he came off of Yumi and Dupree that movie that nobody remembers although it was directed <laughs> by the Russo brothers which is kind of funny right yeah um, given where I they actually went.
0: saw that in the theater yeah
1: <laughs> well there you go <laughs> so the, I'd never seen it um, but I it sounds like one of those movies that's kind of been forgotten right and yeah then it's this... not
0: great no but it's kind of funny I mean he's funny in it yeah <laughs>
1: And right after he does a movie that's even more forgotten called Drill Bit Taylor that I only remember because there was a guy in my class, his name was Stefano Salci, who was who really wanted to see Drill Bit Taylor. And I thought it was so funny because he was the only person in the world who was so excited for Drill Bit Taylor to come out. He was like, Owen Wilson's in the poster and he's like kicking a door down. I'm so excited. (laughs) So I only remember it for that. But that's the only literally the only reason I have no idea what the movie's about.
0: I did see that one as well. I think I had to review it professionally and I remember one of its claims to fame was John Hughes wrote the like story it was based on um or oh, the little the premise. I should say that the script was <laughs> adapted from or worked with Seth Rogen was another person who wrote the script. So there were some good people behind it. I think it was another one that, you know, it isn't the worst movie ever, but it's not like anyone is going to go really want to watch Drill the Taylor Um yeah. no. Yeah, not so, he, so was in a,
1: he was in a tough moment in in, in yeah. his career as well, you know, like making these movies. Um, he had just come off of Wedding Crashers, which is a huge, huge hit. And I, I feel like some people don't remember how huge that was. It made so much money. Oh, my gosh. Um,
0: it played forever. Yeah. And then he was also the voice of Lightning Queen in Cars. And that was huge. Um, mm-hmm. Suddenly people realized, oh, he's really good with his voice and it's very distinctive. And so um, he found a whole new avenue of work for that as well. I mean, he'd done a little bit of voice work, but I think that was good. And yeah, I think this kind of reinvigorated or showed us um, that there was more going on with Owen than we expected. He wasn't just the you know, friendly um, surfer guy or something, or maybe the slightly more cerebral mm-hmm. version of Matthew McConaughey, essentially but uh, yeah. very mellow very friendly exactly. guys who who say wow all the time mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. there's more going on with Owen yes and that's what you see in the Darjeeling limited for sure yeah
1: but it was almost like a blip in the radar right like everything yeah. it, it kind of doesn't really come back up very much since then and i don't know nope. if it has up to this day even you know like he's had a little bit of a resurgence these last yep. couple of years but it's still in that classic owen wilson mode of like the guy yeah the guy who says wow and is very endearing and he's a nice romantic partner um but that those more challenging movies have been very sporadic and and when he's appeared in something like inherent vice i think he's really good in but it's a small role yeah and he, also he was plays great in that of, he's great and he's also playing off of all that kind of like pathos underneath right and that melancholy yes. underneath the owen wilson persona but it's a supporting role and and it also again it's kind of like an anomaly at this point in his career it's rare
0: yeah yeah the material just isn't there they're not making these movies perhaps well they definitely aren't anymore and Mm -hmm. they didn't really think about owen wilson in these roles unfortunately yeah yeah well lastly we have owen wilson in romantic comedy mode although It should be noted that this time he does not get the girl, but he does make us laugh very, very hard in writer, director, producer James L. Brooks's 2010 film, How Do You Know? Playing a popular baseball player whose bachelor ways and lifestyle are tested when he begins to have real feelings for Reese Witherspoon's successful but recently cut Team USA softball player, Wilson makes us laugh repeatedly even when the film flounders featuring Hmm. Paul Rudd as the all-around good guy who falls for Witherspoon and serves as Wilson's romantic rival, and longtime Brooks muse Jack Nicholson as Rudd's shady, manipulative businessman father. The film was a box office bomb, but there's still some really good stuff within it, I think. So what's your take on How Do You Know? How Do You
1: Know? I think the reason why I suggest it is because it's such a weird movie. And it's it such is. a bizarre movie with such a weird history to it as well. Um, that yeah. makes it so kind of fascinating. Um, you know, like you were saying, it was a huge bomb. It was the last movie James L. Direct, James L. Brooks directed. I mean, unless he directs one more, but it seems unlikely at this point. He spent... Yeah. I don't know how many hundreds of millions of dollars in this movie, which takes place in like three apartments.
0: <laughs> I know. So the the, the budget on this movie was insane, too. It was $120 <laughs> million dollars to make this movie, and it only made $48.7 So yeah, it bombed. And I don't know where all that money went either. I mean, it is New York. You do have these actors, but it's a film that largely takes place in restaurants and rooms. And you're like, yeah why is it that much money yes
1: why is it that much i mean you do have J- big actors like jack Nicholson, yes. and reese witherspoon at the time was huge um but yeah yeah and it's strange because it's like when i first heard about it i heard it's a uh, james old brooks is making a movie about baseball and then you watch the movie and baseball is barely a part of it she they're both baseball players but they it's not like it's uh like a league no. of their own or something no, and then not at this all. whole Corporate malfeasance plot that he's Paul Rudd's character is getting sued. And
0: it's like two different movies that they plugged in together, <laughs> which is really funny. And it's kind of how it actually happened. Like he was talking to a lot of athletes and thinking it'd be interesting to make a movie about women's softball players. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, the recession hit and he was thinking about corporate malfeasance. And he just kind of plugged these two disparate threads together and they don't. Well, go, it's mm-hmm. very very weird in this baseball is sort of treated like a nine to five job essentially yeah
1: yeah yeah exactly <laughs> <Ligo laughs> They baseball practice and they go out on dates in the afternoon yep, and, exactly know, it's very funny in that way but um yeah and, and I didn't I had to be honest I didn't quite remember how much of it is really is the relationship between Reese Witherspoon and Paul Rudd is the main relationship in yeah. the movie I remembered it a little bit more as a triangle but I remembered, like, you know, Owen Wilson in it, so I suggested it and I still agree with what you're saying and I stick to it. I think he is the best part in the movie. and He's definitely the funniest part in the movie. And I think I was happy I picked it rewatching it because I feel like it's a great example when you have a movie that's not quite working, but the Owen Wilson part is working, you can see what makes him such a valuable performer, right? What can he bring to a movie regardless of uh what's around him um
0: yes he not only keeps it afloat but he makes it thrive because otherwise I think this would have sunk I mean I love Paul Rudd; he's the most charming and hilarious you know man he's he's the guy that doesn't age as we all know Mm -hmm. it's like he's Mm -hmm. an Oscar Wilde character but basically he seems a little out of depth or trying to figure out the tone as well In places where he's trying to sell this relationship with Reese Witherspoon, who's been his co-star in like three things. I mean, so they do have some genuine chemistry, but it's a little off here. And I feel like her chemistry and her banter with Owen is just so funny and good. And when I was watching some interviews with Owen and Reese, they were talking about, and uh, James L. Brooks, how much of... Uh, some of those scenes of them together was just Owen saying stuff or figuring out ways to make Reese laugh because they were saying, yep, that's a natural Reese laughing moment that was like not in character. And uh, I I love this sort of he is who he is kind of guy that he's Mm -hmm. playing. He's playing a player. My favorite is like the introduction to him. They wake up in bed and well, after we've, we've already seen them the night before, but they wake up in bed. And he's also just very uh, casual about everything. If she mm-hmm. wanted to come in and sleep with him or not, and gives her space and doesn't pressure her. Mm-hmm. And then the next morning, um, you know, you don't have to go home in your crumpled dress, essentially. And he's got mm-hmm. like an assembly line of, of clothing. <laughs> it's hilarious. Yeah. Like, what size are you? And the sizes he guesses, small or medium, but you can see in the, the closet. He has mm-hmm. these like clothes for her, for women that go all the way up from small to large million yeah. toothbrushes brushes. Like he's thinks he's being a good host and uh, just any one night stand he brings home gets a free uh, goodie bag, I guess. Like they went to a children's birthday party, which is mm-hmm. hilarious. And I also love the, the idea of Reese being this real independent character. And then when she's cut from the baseball team and like, moves in with him cuz she doesn't really know what she wants to do with her life. Uh later we see her wearing, you know, the sweatshirt again and it's like mm-hmm. she's and it's his number on the back of the sweatshirt for baseball and it's like she's just on the team of girls kind of m- revolving through his life. Yes.
1: Yeah, yeah, he really yeah, that's exactly what he thrives at of of and I'm not surprised to learn that so much of it was kind of like maybe improvised or that he was bringing a lot of his own stuff mm-hmm. to the scenes because it does feel like a slight different, you know, yet another movie or a performance yeah. from a different <laughs> kind of movie, you know? The the Paul Rudd and Reese Witherspoon characters are more, uh, more carefully written because the plot depends on them much more. Yes. And you can sense that there's a lot of stuff there that feels a little bit maybe a little forced. broad in a strange way, you know, yeah. like there's some, the, their meat cute is very, a little strange and maybe like a little more uh, antagonistic that you wouldn't expect from a meat cute. Yeah, their first date like, is a little antagonistic.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird dynamic. It's more protracted and the scenes with Owen just feel free, like, okay, we can breathe now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and, and that naturalism, that kind of like laid back thing really feels like a breath of fresh air in the in a movie that is so, you know, tightly wound up because Reese is going through a lot. Paul Rudd's going through a lot. They're such wound up characters. And then you come to this guy who's just kind of like, you know, it's just being himself, like you were saying. He's completely open about everything that he's thinking. And I think that's a great premise for Owen Wilson character, similar to Wes Anderson characters who also kind of like say whatever's on their mind a lot of the time in a more kind of aggressive and sometimes unlikable way. But here Mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of that, what you were saying, you know, do you want to come? Do you want to, do you not want to come? And then when he starts to fall with her, he, could, I really laughed at the scenes where he's kind of like, they're going through hard times in the relationship. And he's like, am I doing the right thing? I mean, like, I'm asking you this, I get points for that, right? Like, do you want to get back yes. to me?
0: Um, it's all about the points because he's an athlete, yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> do I and score then- for this? Yes.
1: And the scene when he calls her on the phone and says, like, listen, ever since you went away, I just I've had I you wrote something down. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've been I've been really struggling and I broke a lamp. And it was OK, what else? And he said, that's it. And then they show the napkin and he's only written that. And I think it's just so he's almost like a kid in that way. Yeah. It's very sweet. and It's kid. very
0: funny. Yeah. Yeah. He's well. being open with her. And I think it's funny too. It shows like you can't change who they are, you know? <laughs> like this mm-hmm. is him trying to show that he is changing. I also think it's hilarious when he gives her the watch and uh you know, she thinks it's beautiful of course, but it a watch to him means well we're like pre-pre-engaged and you know like was it his dad gave his mom a watch and 7 years later they were married or something like that. And it's yeah. it's just really funny like He doesn't fully know. He's trying to be an adult, essentially, and he doesn't Mm -hmm. really know what to do. Like the scene where he drives her out of the apartment. There's a scene where um, Paul Rudd's character helps her carry in groceries. And Rudd, of course, obviously, you know, has a puppy dog crush on her. But she is with somebody she's even told him. And so he's just there as a casual acquaintance. Owen Wilson comes home and sees a guy there and is just Mm -hmm. angry and then kind of rips into her as well, this is my place, not like yeah. our place together. And that scares Reese and, you know, uh, pushes her away. And that's when the lamp thing happens. So he's trying, he doesn't know how to work in a relationship. Everybody, I mean, relationships are work, but mm-hmm. um, but it's, it's really funny to see. And you don't hate him, which is refreshing in a romantic yeah. comedy where there's a love triangle. Um, Cause you know, this guy is as good as he's going to be. And uh, yeah. take them or leave them. Yes.
1: Exactly. He's clearly not the one that she's going to end up no. with. We know this because of mm-hmm. the way the rom-coms work. But he's also one that, yeah, exactly. It's very endearing. And I think that's what the movie is trying to go for. One of the things that it's trying to do that I really appreciate is that. Um, and, you yeah. know. But it, it is kind of a mess. There's a lot of things that don't really work in the movie. But mm-hmm. that element of it really does for me um and i yeah and i think that owen wilson is really good in it and and it really stands out to me because you know such a big flop at a time when he was doing all these movies that were also either critical or financial flops and you know he was just in those Falkers movies and then in the in the night in the museum movies playing the cowboy and then all of a sudden he has this little spark of you know maybe the movie didn't quite work out but he's still out there doing great work and i think um those are the things that we kind of like forgot a little bit in the years since. And, you know, yeah. he's done some stinkers, but um, then he, pu- you know, he pops up in this, he bumps up in, in her advice, like we were saying, and every now and then you are reminded of it. Um, so I was glad to see that he was doing, um, I was glad when I saw that people were watching Loki, which I haven't seen that were mm-hmm. people were very excited by him. And I was very happy to see him in marry me in a, you know, main role uh, opposite JLo
0: yes i thought Mary me was actually very charming and i mm-hmm. thought uh, a lot of that again was owen wilson's character she had more chemistry obviously with the the guy she's supposed to be mad at who cheated on her i believe but yeah uh, owen's character is just so sweet he's you know playing a, a father and a teacher i mean how do you not love him essentially and yeah but mm-hmm. obviously um in his career, which is still going strong. Of course, there are many other films we could have discussed today, but before I let you go, I would love to know any other Owen Wilson movies you'd like to recommend listeners seek out. I mean, beyond marry me, which we both Mm -hmm. say, you know, it's not a perfect film, but it's pretty entertaining and he's great in it.
1: I think yeah. Marry me is a great choice. I think he's great in it. I think it's another great example of a character that is everything in that movie is very broad and it's very, Mm-hmm. kind of like by the numbers, maybe almost like borderline on a parody of, of romantic comedy at times, yeah. but including his character, you know, he's like this dad who doesn't know about social media and he's all like, Oh, the kids these days. And what do you have to be a celebrity? You know, what can you just like live your life? And it's obviously <laughs> the celebrity is very like, uh, you know, attracted to that idea. And he's kind of like this ideal guy Um so, um, I think it's perfect that it's Owen Wilson. I think like, you know, some people were saying like, well, Jay, she should be paired up with someone who's like a total hunk or something. But I think that the fact that he's kind of like a more regular looking guy kind of vibe and, you know, this everyman Owen Wilson that we love is really appropriate for that. And he really is totally charming in that. Um, there was Anderson movies. I mean, like I said, I'm a really big fan and I think that you you mentioned Bottle Rocket. That's a great performance by him. I think he's great in uh, the the Life Aquatic also for someone who might yeah. be like thinking of, you know, want to see him in a more of a leading role. He's, you know, Bill Murray is the main character in the movie, but he his relationship to him is one of the main parts of the movie. So mm-hmm. has a pretty large role and I think he does really well. And closer to the lovable, you know, um, kind of naive Owen Wilson type in that movie, um, that I think he does really well. And I do think that Shanghai Noon with Jackie Chan is also a really fun movie that I think they're both good in and, and they do make a surprisingly good pair. Um, the two of them in that and her advice I'd mentioned as well, it's a small role, but he's great in it.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think those are all wonderful choices. And Conrado, I want to thank you so much for doing this. It was such a pleasure to talk about Owen Wilson with you because I think uh, he is somebody who gets overlooked a lot and we need to celebrate him. So thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you for having me. Um, Yeah, thank you for having been on my show before with Rachel and thank you for having me on this show. Um, I've been looking forward to it. uh, And I had a great time talking about Owen Wilson.
0: Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks again. I also want to thank everyone for listening, especially my patrons who support the show and help fund my research equipment, film rentals, RSS fees, and more for as little as a dollar per month at the Film Intuition Patreon, which is the home base for the show. filmintuition.com and clicking on the shop link. The show's theme music is solo acoustic guitar by Jason Shaw and is available in the free music archive. You can also reach me or interact with Watch With Jen anytime on Twitter, either at Film Intuition or our Watch With Jen account as well. Well, until next time, please take care and happy movie watching. This is Jen Johans at FilmIntuition.com and Film Intuition on social media and Letterboxed, And this is Watch with Jen.